This week on the Sooner Catholic Podcast, we talk about discerning marriage, we talk about discerning mission, we talk about discerning your gifts and abilities. We just talk about discerning. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome to the Sooner Catholic Podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about marriage and mission. We have Trevor Barreca and Matt Schmerber with us. How are you guys doing this week? Doing well, Alex. <laughs> I'm doing really good. No, this is, it's, a, it's been a great week, Alex. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> oh my gosh, to everyone listening, that was like our third attempt just to do a how are you doing? And for some reason, it just seems so funny to do that. So we're just going to jump right in. This is what our, our fifth podcast. Um, it's been a lot of fun. But the three of us, we, we just come together, we kind of brainstorm what do we want to talk about each week, and we try to talk about things that you, the listener, and, and hopefully you, the student at OU, want to listen to. And there has been some, some rumors that people want to see the inside of our marriages and see what they are like, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Spoiler alert, there is no ugly, and there is no bad. It's only good, baby. But we're going to be talking a little bit about this idea of what does it look like to be a married missionary? And why? Why would you ever? Why would you ever be a married missionary in your 20s? So let's get into that. Trevor and Matt, as you both know, all of us said yes to marriage. We said yes to being a missionary. Those are two different yeses. But, but what are some things that, that might have led to those yeses in your life? Yes to a Mackenzie, to a Kyle, and to a Hillary. What, what led to those yeses? Kyle and I had been dating for six years before I became a missionary. And so before I joined with Focus, I kind of went into the interview process, letting them know I'm getting engaged and married either way. <laughs> like, Because Focus has a one-year dating fast policy where you're not supposed to be in a dating relationship during that first year. And if you are already, you, you need to take a step back from progressing in that relationship. The idea behind that, because um, that's kind of foreign in our current lifestyles, is just that you'd be able to serve the students more freely and you'd be able to serve your teammates more freely. You'd be able to serve Christ more fully on mission. And so I told them, you know, I'm going to be proposing either way. So I'm not doing the dating fast, number one. And number two, we've already been together for a long time. And so they kind of honored that and they said, yeah, that's fine. And so I've never known being a missionary outside of being engaged or married. I, I know Trev and I share in that. Alex, I, I, I actually don't know. when. What was your timeline at the beginning, the start? Yeah, so we, we got engaged our senior year, and then we uh, were married three months into being missionary. So, yeah, I live missionary life, too, as, as an engaged man and, and, as a, and as a married man. Do you, guys, do you guys remember, I'm sure that you do, there's the big moment, right, of, of you ask your spouse to be your spouse, and then there's the... Yes, yes, I will. I will forever be the Mrs. Barreca. And what a dope last name, right? And we all remember that those moments, you know, in the in the in the Estes Park, that kind of thing. But do you guys remember a smaller moment of a smaller yes of like, yes, I'm gonna ask this this woman to be my wife. Do you guys remember those those kind of early feelings that, that you had? And what what was that like? I know that so for me, Kenzie and I dated for seven months and seven days exactly before I proposed. And I remember it kind of leading up to it your question about the little like what were those little yeses those little moments when you're like yeah i think this is where the lord is leading me 
the biggest obstacle for me, and I think a lot of Catholic men will relate to this, was, and this was through spiritual direction, so, so having conversations of spiritual nature with priests who, who knew me well. Um, this was through conversations with friends. Um, this is with a lot of prayer. But I came to this breaking point where I realized that for the first time that God wasn't asking me to be a priest because that was the only way I could be holy, if that makes sense. Because I think a lot of Catholic men have this misconception in their head. Like a lot of us, like for me, at least this was my perception for the longest time, whether or not I knew I believe this or not, was that if I was really, really holy, I would have been a priest. And basically, mm -hmm. if I ever got married, it was like the second choice. Like it was like the less holy choice. And I think like what that, I'm, I don't think the church ever teaches that. But I think sometimes people get that idea in their head because they have so many times they pray for vocations growing up. And so many times, that, you know, their grandmother walks up and like, oh, you'd be a great priest. <laughs> And so I think that that is like a natural thing that really like, yeah, it, it was a hard thing. And so whatever I finally reached that point through just dating Mackenzie and realizing how much she was challenging me and forcing me to be more selfless. That's when I, I realized like, man, like God actually could radically humble and make me more holy in, in the sacrament of marriage. Once that barrier kind of broke down, I felt the Lord like within a month just through prayer, like lead me like, yeah, like Mackenzie is the one who, who, who will lead me to be the, the best version of myself to use a good old Matthew Kelly phrase, but truly like to mm -hmm. become the most like Christ. Yeah. Does that make totally, sense? Totally. Matt, was there, was there a small moment for, for you in the midst of the six years that you guys were together that you were like, yeah, this is, she, she is the one and yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to propose. Well, priests go off and they have six years of formation typically in the diocesan realm. And so I served my <laughs> six years as well, you know, in the, <laughs> in the dating realm. So I think there wasn't like one particular moment. I think it was just as we grew in our relationship, we had lots of ups and downs. Like we broke up at one point, a couple years in for a few months. And then we, we got back together and I told her, Kyle, now I want to date you with the purpose and the intention of discerning marriage. Like, I don't want to just date you for fun. And I just don't want to be in this relationship with no mm -hmm. end in mind. And that changed everything because it was laid out on the table. And I've heard lots of people say like, oh, that's, you know, is that chaste to do? Is that emotionally chaste to like have that discussion and stuff like that? A hundred percent it is. Because I think from the guy's perspective, it makes me committal. And from the girl's perspective, it lets her know that you, you value the relationship and that you're, you're in it mm -hmm. for, for the long haul, if, if that's what it ends up happening. And so the discernment at that point was just, it was moving forward with the intentions of always I'm going to marry this woman unless something else happens, but th there was no other thought. And so we just progressed in our relationship and it, it just really helped us to be goal oriented toward that yeah. purpose just have, in, that in, our, in our relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just having that clear conversation a couple of years later, because I was living in a different state. So obviously I, I didn't propose during that time because whenever I graduated, I went to teach for America. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. She was still in Texas. I moved back to Texas. And at that point um, with focus, I kind of negotiated with them that I wanted to be somewhere near her. And so whenever I got that green light, I knew it was time. Cool. It was the perfect time to propose. And that's whenever we started moving forward. So that's, yeah, that yeah. is really huge. I think, I think that's a, that's a big, that's a big nugget. Just that clarity from, from the beginning. So there's no miscommunication and <clears throat> that's huge for Hillary and I, it was a lot, it was a lot more messy, but still really good. So like from day one, I think one of the first days I met Hillary in college, my freshman year, I, I came home to my dad and I was like, dad, I found the girl that I'm going to marry. 
And then uh, a few weeks later, I found out she had a boyfriend. And then fast forward a number of years, <laughs> a number a number of years of of, of me wooing and, and winning and, and Hillary winning me over. We began to, to date. We were dating for about a year and a half. And we were kind of like that typical couple in the Newman Center. We were, we were going to mass uh, together frequently and praying together frequently and going to the events and that kind of thing. We were pretty involved and engaged. And then we had, we had a breakup and it was kind of a nasty breakup. And it just seemed like all hope was lost and the relationship was never going to, to resume. Um, there was kind of like that cut even in the friendship of like total separation of the two. And it's kind of like what you mentioned, Matt, is in the rekindling and, and the reconnection, the restoration and the forgiveness that happened after we came back together, that it was like, okay, the grass will never be greener on the other side. And, and I'm ready to commit my life to this person. And so while, while it was messy, it in the end brought that clarity of when we came back together, we were saying, we want to, to be together and we want to be married and let's let's work towards that end in our relationship. So so then we, we each of us move essentially from, from that stage of proposal and engagement towards mission. How did how did that shift happen? How did how did you be, how did you guys become more more mission minded? And what do those conversations look like with with your fiance? So my stages of development were in college, I was highly involved. My conversion actually took place, you know, during that sophomore year, whenever we broke up, because I think my entire life was out of order. And so I feel like truly, I had a desire to return to my relationship with God, and then return to my relationship with Mm. Kyle after that. Because I realized, wow, I've really let this beautiful relationship drift away. And I didn't want to lose that. And that's why I ended up pursuing her again. And um, I've later found that we both did whenever we reconnected. Like I was searching for her and I was going through a conversion. She was searching for God during that time as well. And I thought that that was really cool that that was our first reaction whenever we broke up was to each individually search for God. And so whenever I got back to campus, I met a focused missionary, Tabor Carlson. And we just started working out together, going out for lunch and stuff like that. And so our friendship grew and I I really felt loved and cared for by him. And so whenever he did eventually invite me back to mass and he did eventually invite me back to confession and and these different things, whenever we were having conversations and he noticed that my heart was desiring those things, I trusted him enough to say yes and to actually follow through and and go through with Mm. it. Whenever I was a senior, I had already accepted a job, but Focus was already trying to recruit me during that time period. And I told them no because I already had this other job. And so I went off and worked for a year. During that year, it was just evident. I, w- I was going and praying a Wednesday night holy hour. It was beyond a doubt clear that the Lord was calling me to go back to campus and to go share the gift that I had received. And that was probably the hardest decision I ever made was to go back and, and call Focus and say, hey, I think I made a mistake. And I got in touch with recruitment. They gave me a call back. They said, hey, Matt, like we remember you. We wanted, you know, we wanted to interview you. Would you be open to interviewing? And so I filled out the application. The next day we got on Skype. Boom. And did four hours of interviews that night. One of the recruitment guys called me back and said, hey, we want to give you a job. And I said, whoa, this is progressing way too fast. This was like, <laughs> this was like a Thursday and Friday. And he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you till Monday. Go pray about it this weekend. Have some conversations with people. And so even though there was tons of fear and tons of hesitancy, like in my heart, in my head, I had this cloudy vision of just like, I can't see what, what's ahead. I ended up pulling through even though I was scared. I said, yes. And Josh Santo was like, great. We knew you were going to say yes. This was on Monday. He was like, we bought you a plane ticket already and you're flying out on Friday. Classic Josh. 
And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I had one week to quit my job, say goodbye to everybody I knew and fly out for new staff training. And so that was kind of the development. The, the things there. I love about this is picking up some themes where you're talking. And it's really a big theme of, of discernment. And it kind of brings up this thing that I hear a lot from students, which is like, what happens like if I miss my vocation? Or what happens if I choose the wrong major? What happens if I don't meet the right person? Or you know, if I break up with this person, like, how do I know that that breakup was, was good? Or should, should we get back together? All this kind of stuff. But there's like this element of free will and God working always within our free will, even, even if it seems like we made the wrong choice, like that year that you went to teach for America, you're like, oh, should I be or should I not be here? But in the end, even in that time, I think God brought you clarity. And then that brought you back to a place where, yeah, you picked it right back up where you were. That's awesome. Trevor, for you, what did, what did it look like that, that transition from proposal being engaged into mission? What did those conversations look like? What was going on in your mind and heart and in Mackenzie's as well? So actually, we were somewhat discussing the the big M word, the marriage word, uh, you know, let's say like three, three months or four months in because like, it, I know it sounds crazy, but we just, I, we both just had a lot of prayer about it. It was the first time I ever, like I, I went on a decent amount of dates with girls throughout college, but it was the first time that I shout ever- out, Shout out, shout out college Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Just get out of here. Uh, but with Ken's was the first time that I was like, man, like God, there's just something about this that is different than all of these other relationships. And so, hence the big M word, the big M word piece. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that. <laughs> well, because people were always like, oh, they said marriage. Like you know, right. it's kind of. Like, but oh so that gosh. was that was around the same time that we were thinking that that I was interviewing with Focus, and so. I remember like, yeah, interviewing Focus, knowing that it went pretty well and like was pretty confident I was going to get an offer. And actually, Matt and I talked a lot at the interview weekend about because Matt interviewed me. We talked a lot about like marriage and Focus. And mm. and I remember, Matt, the thing you sold me with because I was talking about like availability to McKenzie and like, can I live this kind of schedule that mission's going to require? It's going to be difficult to like, yeah, place priority on marriage first and things like that. I remember you telling me, like, I want to be able to look at my teenage son one day and, like, have learned for, for years of, like, discipling men on campus how to disciple my sons and, like, lead them to the Lord. Yeah, and that, that like, that amidst a lot of other things the Lord, like, was using in that weekend, like, different spiritual direction led me. So, anyway, I remember Mackenzie actually was kind of, like, whenever I told her, like, I'm going to accept this offer, she's like, what, what does that mean for us? It was almost like this. We had a kind of a – I had to take a step. And like, mm. look at, look at re really like where we were at, because we we're like, you know, taking steps forward and like thinking we we're headed towards marriage. And she was like, Trevor, like, this isn't like, I know that you're, we're just dating right now, but this decision, if we're moving forward in a relationship is like a decision for our relationship. And that was the first time I was like, Frick, like <laughs> these things are all interconnected now. But yeah, I just explained to her like, Mackenzie, I have such sure, like sureness that the Lord has asked this of me, that he's like calling me into this, that I, I'm so passionate and excited to, to go on mission with focus. And basically we had a lot of tough and like hard conversations of the next two months leading up into like when I was pretty sure that, you know, I was going to propose basically that, yeah, it either meant that we were going to do the dating fast and long distance for a year, or we were going to have a ring on it by the spring. And there was no, there was no like, oh, we got to rush to beat out the dating fast. That wasn't a thing at all. Um, it really was like, we were like, we were going to do make the decision that the Lord is leading us to make at the time that he's leading us to make it. And it just so happened in his, in his will and providence that yeah, we, we were very sure that like the Lord was calling us forward well before um, doing that year. And we were already doing distance at the time. So a lot of people wouldn't know that, but we were doing nine hour long distance that our entire first year of dating. She was in Ohio. I was in Missouri. And so I think, yeah, through all of that, there was just this, this call where I was like, you know, Ken's like, this is something you, you, you like, this is a part of me that the Lord is asking me 
to, to go out on. And, and I want you to be with me in this. So it was really cool to see that happen. And even this whole year to see all the sacrifices that she makes for me daily to allow, you know, this to be something that I, I yeah, I'm, I'm not as like, the reality is I'm not as set in like a nine to five, you know, I check in, check out like availability. It looks different than it would if I wasn't a missionary, but she, but she loves it. And she knows that like, it's something that the Lord puts a fire on my heart for every day. And she, and that fires her up. Like she, she's equally with me in it, supporting me when I'm down, you know, giving me the time to do that, like really encouraging me in the successes. And so I think it really is like, yeah, there's a huge balancing act, but it's such a blessing to be married on, on a mission for, for us to really like, every conversation I have with a guy, I know that like Kenzie, I don't tell them all the details or whatever, but I know that she's always like hyping me up later. So it, it feels like literally like she is discipling everyone like with, or like, yeah, Bible absolutely. Oh yeah. And, and the, the longer yeah. you're a missionary, the, the more that guys will be able to tell, like, did, did your wife tell you that? Because that isn't, <laughs> cause it doesn't sound like you'd be able to come up with something like that. <laughs> yeah. It is so good. It's so funny. So good. So usually Alex is the one asking questions. Um, I just kind of want to flip things on their head just to hear from you, Alex, and your perspective with Hillary. Um, it sounded like Trevor was talking about this idea, this concept that mission was opposed to their marriage, right? They were at odds with each other. And so they had to discern if, if it was going to be an obstacle or if it would be just something that they were able to do, similar to like maybe taking a new job like any job, not just being on mission, but any job or any career switch. And so I've heard that come up time and again for a lot of discerning couples, like one partner feels really called to mission and the other doesn't. And how, how do they kind of go along with that? And you and Hillary's instance, you know, it, it might've been a little bit different. So, you know, for Trevor and for myself, our spouses were not. And then Kyle was at Auburn. She was an affiliate. She, she led a Bible study. She discipled some girls. But eventually she had Liam, and then she took a step back again. So I'm kind of interested for the two of y'all. How did that look different for the both of y'all? Yeah. I think that you guys have a really interesting bit, I think, in, in your guys' story. That I, think, I, I think it's a good learning point for a lot of people of, like, discernment is not easy. It, there's difficult conversations that must be had, especially in engagement and in marriage. It seems like, okay, if, every, you know, if everything lines up and we're both super happy with every decision, boom, we'll just move forward. But that wasn't the case for you guys. And you guys had difficult conversations yeah. and there was a waiting period and yeah. there was maybe arguments and then apologies. And like, okay, sorry, this is really what I want. And so that's just a really good thing to, to be reminded of. For Hillary and I, it, I think we function a little bit different, um, mainly because Hillary is just um, amazing. And she has a particular gift with discernment. That's like a, that's a, a particular gift of hers. I know that it is, she knows that it is. She's just really in tune with like the Lord's will in her life and our family's life and in, in our marriage and like the direction that we should be heading. And so there's often, should just like be praying with something. Like, I think that we should, we should do this. I'm like, okay, then full steam ahead. And that's usually the way it comes. And and that's funny because I would talk to other super faithful men and they're like, man, this is what, this is where we're leading our family. Babe, you coming with me? And I'm like, dang, that sounds awesome. But when I go back home, I'm like talking to the, to the sage that I'm married to. And I'm like, babe, what do you think about this? And she's like, yeah, baby. I mean, she's like, I've been praying on that for six months and, and here's what I have. I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> and so, and so honestly, in, in, in my marriage, my vocation, there's just an element of humility and an element of me needing to I think just be like courageous of like, okay, if this is, if this is something that is truly going to benefit our marriage and in our family life, and it's not coming from me, 
I still like want the humility to like move forward in it. So there was times when we were engaged and like we had applied for focus, we had gotten an offer. We were like, this is amazing. And we accepted and we're like, oh, this is, this is the best. And then two months later, three months later, we went to a family reunion in Denver and I had like aunts and uncles and cousins and, and everyone like, you know, you're, you're wasting your life. You're, you're wasting your parents' money. You are being like disobedient and just unthoughtful of their sacrifice, all that kind of stuff. So we kind of left like discouraged. Sorry to poke. Was that your yeah. family? Or yeah, it was my family. family. It was okay. my family. And, and uh, it was just some hard conversations. They were coming from a good place. They were like, we want the best for you and for your family. And it just doesn't seem like you taking a salary of zero dollars, zero cents and fundraising everything is, is the best move, right? And of your parents' sacrifices. I was like, ah, okay. And so we left that kind of discouraged. And then what happened after that is my mom and my sister at the time worked for an oil and gas company in OKC. And there was kind of like this, this like golden road of opportunity that lay before me with this oil and gas company. Of It was a lucrative job offer. My mom knew the person that was hiring, the hiring manager at the time. I knew the salary was going to be a wonderful thing. I knew that my sister was kind of planning on moving out of her house at the time. So we were going to buy this house from her at a really cheap price. And the oil and gas company is going to pay for my master's at night. I mean, it was just like boom, 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 just the, what every senior wants. And not to mention my major was psychology. And so for most psychology majors, this is far beyond the, the roof that, or the ceiling that we could imagine. But that means that I also kind of lost my, my perspective on mission. I kind of lost it on counseling, which is why I got psychology to begin with. And then so the, then there, there was moments the second semester of senior year where I called Focus back and I said, thank you so much, but no thank you. I, we actually can't move forward with Focus. We've been praying about it and there's actually other doors that have opened for us and that we just feel like it's not right for us at that time. Combination again of that family reunion of job offers of struggle, right? And so talking about discernment and there being an element of struggle of like, maybe this isn't God's will for my life. And instead, kind of like your story of like, let's push through this and let's talk about what's what's hard, what's difficult. So kept evangelizing uh, senior year, second semester, sponsored some guys into the church. And uh, there were some moments where like the family of the kid that I sponsored, he hugged my parents and they were like, man, so thankful for your son. And there was moments like that where Hillary just like would stop and be like, I just, she's like, I just feel anxious with like how easy the path we're taking seems. And I just feel anxious that like you have all these gifts and we've been blessed in so many ways that we're not going to be living. And I think that we may, we might be making a mistake. We should call focus back. And I had been like feeling that in my heart, but I hadn't vocalized it or articulated it. And so when I heard her say it, I was like a hundred percent. And so we called back in April of our senior year and said, hey, focus, would you, would you take us back? Luckily they did. And, and then we moved forward and we were in focus for five years and, and everyone had conversions. Like aunts and uncles they're all like they pray the rosary now on the, on the phone weekly and talk to each other like my parents are just absolutely thrilled that we were missionaries like they they love the family that we've created the culture that we've created like i've had my parents talk about that that family reunion because they were kind of negative in that time too and and opposed to being a missionary I, i've actually had them talk about that family reunion with tears in their eyes saying like we're we're ashamed of like the position that we took on that night and we couldn't be more proud that you guys were missionaries mm. so just everyone wow. has had conversions around this you know um so it's just literally we said yes to being missionaries um and there were some hard moments but it's just like the lord has sparked so many conversions through our yes to us being missionaries including our, our a deeper conversion for ourselves so that's kind of a little bit of, of our history and story so that's, yeah, thanks for asking. That's man. awesome. No, that's, that's a great, yeah, those are some I great stories. That. I heard some themes popping up, just continuing your, your host. I like that. I like that. You know, I, I know. I'm just kind of flexing a new muscle. Right <laughs> um, I, I heard you talking about like how to discern multiple good opportunities, right? Like it, 
honestly probably felt like that oil and gas opportunity was a good opportunity. And then focus was also a good opportunity and that initial excitement that you and Hillary felt. But then I think the part that struck me the most that you said was, would we utilize what Hillary said to you? Would we utilize our gifts and our talents? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I know for a fact that was probably the biggest part of discernment for me. It was whenever I was there at Teach for America, just saying like, I'm a leader and I'm leading these kids and I'm doing good things. And this is a mm. prestigious organization and I'm making money and stuff like that. But asking myself, like, not only is this what God is calling me to, am I doing what God wants me to do? Or am I just doing what I want me to do? But also, is this, is this a fulfillment of the gifts and talents that God gave me? Feeling so unfulfilled in totally. my potential and realizing what the Lord had given me and what I was able to make of it. So I, I really identify with that point from your story. Absolutely, yeah. That was a huge part of mine as well. <clears throat> like I remember looking back, there was a lot of obstacles that I didn't, I didn't want to be a missionary because a lot of things I didn't like about the particular requirements. I didn't like MPD, obviously, uh, raising my salary. The biggest thing I didn't like, honestly, is the fact that I had to be like meticulous with all the hours of my day. Whereas like, instead of like just going to work and clocking in and clocking out, like that was a really big obstacle for me. Cause I wanted to have the, yeah, just the, the, not relaxed, but the ability to literally just be like, yeah, I'm going to work today, you know? Mm -hmm. But I remember just like praying so much with this idea of talents and abilities, because I knew that, yeah, that I would leave something on the table if I didn't say yes to focus because of what yeah. God had, had put the desire in for my heart. And I think when we think about these questions of discernment, it's like, yeah, where are my talents and abilities and, and passions most calling me? And where am I going to most become the saint that will like transform the lives of those around me, whether it's my, my family or whether it's friends, like, Asking that question, like, what is going to be the thing that's most going to put you in that path of becoming a saint? It's not that mm -hmm. none of the options, like, are, are, you can become a saint in, in any particular scenario. But I think it's like asking the question to, to my particular story, my particular temperaments and abilities, passion, talents. Like, where is God most fully going to ignite me to be on fire and be completely, like, have to sacrifice my life for other people? And I don't think, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's obviously a very countercultural way to discern but i think that's the way that the lord would desire for us there's such an interesting thing here because it's like whether it's whether it's discerning between two goods or discerning between two skills right or two gifts and it's like all right matt's extremely good at teaching so he did teach for america but is that the primary gift and is that the primary way right to, to live that gift i mean i, I was okay <laughs> <laughs> And there's kind of something of like, if you're a good tennis player and good tennis instructor, does that mean that you should be a, a tennis instructor? Like, th does a gift certainly, like, does it, does it dictate the, the form or, or the, the kind of vocation or calling or career that you should pursue, right? Like, if you're getting a degree in, in mathematics and you want to be a mathematics instructor because you're good at math, is, that, is it just that clear cut? I think it's kind of a part of a bigger conversation. I, I think part of this, too, is, so you guys mentioned discerning gifts. And then Trevor, you mentioned discerning like what is going like how how may, might God lead me in this to become fully alive and to become a saint through this decision. There's one more element that I would think was really big for me in my heart, and I want to see if it resonates with you guys too. During that time was like second semester of my senior year. I'm kind of looking at my life, and Hillary and I are talking, and all it took was like this moment where I just looked back. I just looked back in time. I just looked of like what has brought me the most joy how have I used my free time in a way that I've been happy with? And what am I doing that I'm most like proud of and pleased with? And it was evangelization. It was like investing in guys. And it was like, it, it wasn't the moments where I was doing other things. It was like, it was the moments that I was living mission with men. I was living mission with Hillary. And that's what was like, oh, like all of a sudden my future made sense because of my past. And it made sense because of like, 
yeah, if I can do what I'm doing now full time, why would I not? And it's kind of like what led to that decision with Hillary too, of like, at one point, you have to make a decision of like, is my future with this person? And all it takes is kind of a look at the past of like, do I want to continue in what I've lived with in this person like for a lifetime and move forward? And like, is there a sense of joy in being fully alive? Do our yeah. gifts come together? That kind of I feel like there's just an element of like looking back in the past in order to confirm the future. What do you, what do you guys think about that? Well, point number one, to bring it full circle, I love how many times you just said like this, these are conversations that you've been having with Hillary. So I know we started off the conversation talking about our wives' involvement. And I know y'all were probably dating at that point. Like I know for me, like before Kyle was my wife, like whenever we were dating, there was this huge moment where I'll always remember it. She will always remember it. It was a massive moment of discernment for me. We were in college and it was my junior year and we were sitting in the back of my truck, like on the truck bed and we were overlooking. It was like at 10 o'clock at night and we got some ice cream. We were on a date night and we were looking at the San Marcos River flowing. And I just looked at her and I was like, Kyle, I'm going to quit everything. I'm going to quit the organization I'm in. I'm going to quit being the president of that. I'm going to quit student government. I'm going to quit my business that I developed. I'm I'm just quitting all of these different things because they're just draining my life. Yes, I have the gifts and the talents that brought me to these levels of achievement, these levels of honor, accolades, whatever, right? But it's exactly your point, Alex. We were having a conversation and Kyle asked me this question. She said, are these things bringing you happiness? Are they bringing you joy? in peace like are you at peace with these things and i realized no i'm doing this all for the wrong reason so even though my gifts and talents align Mm. with them there's there's just nothing there's no satisfaction there's no peace there's no joy there's no alignment with the outcome sure like i I had reached these particular outcomes but they they weren't the ones that i actually my heart was like longing for and desiring and so i guess my whole point was yes kyle helped me with that discernment but what she taught me in that moment was that our gifts and talents aren't for ourselves. Mm. And so a key point in discernment that I've learned is that our gifts and talents at their fullest, fullest potential, their fullest realized potential mm. are to be put to the service of others. Yeah, it's great. That's yeah. it. So that's why I became a missionary. It was always, 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 I had received a gift that I wanted to give back. And so whenever I was to Teach for America, I wasn't giving that gift back. Yes, I was teaching kids and most people would be like, whoa, that was actually a very selfless act. But that wasn't the gift that I received from education. It was the gift of faith that I had received. Mm-hmm. And so I went and gave that gift of faith back to students these past four years. And I led them in the same ways and the same transformation that I had received. And hands down, it's been some of the most transformative years, not only of their lives, but my life as well, because I was developing these gifts and talents and I was utilizing them. I was pushing to them to their maximum. I was leading teams, traveling across the country, but it was always, always, always used to benefit other people. Yeah. I love that. Get that gifts and it, fully realized oh, yeah. are, or for the purpose of serving other yeah. people. I think, I think that's a really great nugget. Absolutely. Trevor, do you have any, any, any thoughts on, on this, on this last thing? Yeah. I just say a closing, I mean, not really any, anything original, but just that you're, you're speaking from obviously the language of the church. I mean, I think it's Gaudium et Spes, which is one of the Vatican documents. I think it was JP2, or no, not JP2. I don't remember who wrote it. It might have been Pope Paul VI. But it, it said, man cannot find himself except for in a sincere gift of himself. 
And JP2 loved that and, and really applied that, obviously, to what we know as theology of the body. But really that principle of like gift of self, self, self-gift, and that's where we find ourselves truly. I mean, that's really what Matt's speaking to here. This idea that that is where we most become the people that we want to be, the most people that Christ has created us to be is when we give our lives away recklessly and just like, yeah, like this is, this is all a gift for others. And you find yourself so enriched in the process, which is the crazy part. You give everything away and you receive more than you could have ever had before. Yep. I, I love that. And, and that, that brings us completely and fully back to the beginning of like, why would you be a missionary? Why would you be married in your 20s? It's to give this gift of yourself in order to find yourself. And I'd say that all three of us have much more uh, found who we are and found, as they say, whose we are, right? Uh, as, as beloved and loved. Thank you guys for, for talking and recording this week. I, I love it. Every, every single time, but especially today, was hit, hit a special note with me. Um, thank you, guys, and, and I look forward to our next podcast. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much, Alex. It really brought me life today. Thank you, Alex, for uh, having said yes to be a missionary. I appreciate that, brother. I love it. I remember, I remember that's where we met at team director training, and I'll always value that. You're giving me some advice on being married and being a missionary. That's so funny. That's the very first encounter we ever had. So, And then the same thing happened with you and Trev. Awesome. Trev, you still on, baby? Uh, you're muted. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Did you see that picture of Will Smith in the snow this year? No. There was Fresh Prince. (laughs) (laughs) That was the dumbest thing. (laughs) Dumbest thing. That was that was a trap move. I hope that you you and I you you and I are above that. When I ask, why don't you just say Fire Flame again? Fire flame is always true, though. I got to switch it up every once in a while. Like it's kind of like saying, like you could ask, like Trevor, are you breathing this morning? You know, of course, of course, I'm fire flame. That's everyone knows that. Um, oh, but they, but they might not know that the sun's shining. So I got to remind them because they might not be annoying. <laughs> You're right. The sun is out. The sun is out. Um, Get out of here. Hot take. Hot take. How bad was that rap? <laughs> How bad was that line? <laughs> or, 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 or in the case of Alex Fat Patrick. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm about to start a new anchor and delete this one just so that doesn't make it to the bloopers. <laughs> or, or if you're Trevor, discipline lacking. Oh. What? <laughs> Bro. <laughs> I'll see, I don't see no occasion for that kind of roast. Mm. All right, I think you're about to do another line there, Trevor. But okay. Kyle always instigates it. Kyle, Kyle loves listening to this. Oh, that's right. Kyle, that's if right. you're listening Kyle right listening. now. <laughs> Shout shout out. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> That's the worst shout I've ever heard. <laughs> shout out. <laughs>